when it comes to the close people in your life. When you're younger, it's yeah. more about the quantity. Right. <laughs> when you're it's older, the quality. Yeah, it's older. about the quality. And while Courtney is here with me, I like to think that it's about the quality that I bring to her life, but then I realize she's getting paid to be here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello there, and welcome back to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. She, a licensed therapist, I, a semi-full-time patient, and deservedly so, especially in the year 2020, and I think you can all relate. A lot of horrible things have happened oh, to people, yeah. Courtney, and one thing that many people have had to deal with, and they probably didn't expect it heading into the year, is the subject of loss, mm-hmm. which throughout your entire life, I don't care what age you are, that's not easy for anybody, no. and it's something for which people could most definitely use therapy. And I have a lot of different things that I want to touch on here. I guess I'll start with this. The evolution of my personal outlook as it pertains to death, because there has been an evolution there. And I'm not saying that it's any easier or more difficult as time has gone on. But as with all things, as you mature, you start to have a different outlook. Now, my introduction to death started as it probably did for most people. At a very young age, I only had three grandparents left. And my first grandparent to go was my father's dad. I was four at the time, so I had very little ability to grasp what was going on and the gravity of the situation, and my parents protected me from that as much as they possibly could. And even looking back now at that time in my life, I have just fleeting memories of my grandfather Mm -hmm. on that side. So I wouldn't really say that that was anything that I had to process. Then I had a bit of a stretch where I didn't have to deal with it too much. My other grandfather would be dating people periodically because he was a widower Mm -hmm. and some of them would die but I didn't really feel a very close connection to them because to be honest with you I wasn't very close to him Mm -hmm. so that never really rattled my cage all that much not until my 20s did I really start to get hit with this and the first one was my grandmother who was my father's mom with whom I was unbelievably close and who to this day, lo these many years later, and incidentally it is 22, still remains one of the favorite people ever in my life. And even though at the time she was 93 years old, not only did I have to process that, I was present for that passing and had to be there for my dad who really had a hard time with it. And I think that helped me to process it a little bit more. It helped me to be a little bit more strong Mm -hmm. to be there for him. But that was the first real kick in the head in relation to dealing with something like that and realizing that I was never going to see somebody who I adored ever again. Then, very shortly thereafter, was the game changer. And this is where it probably set me back decades. I've talked about my relationship with Phil Hartman, the comedic actor who many people may know because it's been so long they may not know, from Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, various movies, all those other things. We were very friendly. We worked together. And on the night that he was murdered by his wife, who then turned the gun on herself, I was on probably the last phone call he ever made in his life Mm -hmm. and had an interaction with the two of them and everything 
seemed fine. Now, I knew that they had had problems, but in the moment, he was literally telling me how great his life was and how everything was going in the right direction. And he was mentoring me and trying to give me some advice because I was having a few problems at the time. And I got off the phone feeling so good about it, only to wake up the next day to kaboom, that whole thing. And then I was on the other end of a media onslaught once it became common knowledge that I was the last one who had a conversation with Mm -hmm. him and all of that. So to try to deal with it all, Courtney, it was so traumatic. And it was such a loss that was unexpected. When grandma goes at 93, for as much as it still hurts, it's not unexpected. Mm -hmm. When somebody is perfectly fine and healthy, and at the time he was 49 years old, and I had no reason to believe that the next day he wasn't going to be there, it impacted me in ways that suddenly... I started getting overly paranoid about everybody in my life Mm -hmm. because I said, if this can happen to him, and it was the first time that it did for me, then this can happen to anybody. And I remember my first wife at the time was getting ready to go on a trip to New York City, and I was terrified because I started thinking about the crime there and even her traveling. Would she get into an accident? And even then... He was asleep when he was murdered. He was in bed. And every night as I was drifting off to sleep, that would be the last thought in my head. His last experience with consciousness, he thought everything was going to be okay. And it got to the point where I was constantly screaming in my sleep and Mm -hmm. had to be woken up. So you can only imagine. Yeah. Did you do any therapy at that time? I did not. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that was really a detriment to my situation and cost me later on when other bad things started happening. Mm-hmm. It, it was piggybacking it. Yeah. on top of other issues that hadn't been addressed. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you have all manner of this type of thing walk into your office and everybody processes these things differently. So dealing with people in these situations, it's never one size fits all. Right. How do you handle things like this? Well, I think that's the first thing is to kind of validate that it can be so different. Everyone's experience is different. There are people around us sometimes, while they may be well-meaning, they want us to, quote unquote, find closure or they want us to kind of let things go because they don't want to see us hurting. So sometimes it can be really difficult dealing with all of this stuff and feeling like, how come I can't get over this? Now, what you described was, you know, there's grieving and then there's also complex grieving and a complicated grieving. And that's what you were going through. Through, especially when you lost Phil. Along with PTSD, no doubt about That's it. That's the thing. You were so traumatized by it. So it was not only losing someone, but it was the trauma of how you lost them. There was confusion as to how this even happened. There's anger. There's so many different feelings. But not only just going through the grief cycle of having all these feelings, they were amplified because of the circumstance of all of this. And plus, the closeness of the bond, it threw you off your axis, I'm sure, because oh God, yeah. this person was the mentor for you. You were away from home. You were in an industry that is notoriously known for just being a crazy industry in the entertainment industry. This person is someone that you anchored yourself to and really were trying to learn from. You got so much back and forth. Both of you, I'm sure he got a lot from your relationship, but this was devastating on many levels. And quite honestly, for as much as I love my own dad, he was a father figure to Mm -hmm. me. And not only that, he was a very dear friend, but it was grappling with all of those things. The fact that both of his young kids no longer had parents. Mm -hmm. The fact that I also had to grapple with, well, my career was on a certain trajectory and now that rug has been Mm -hmm. torn out from under me. There was so much to deal with. And to give you an even deeper look into how my life started spiraling out of control 
because I did not address those issues. Mm-hmm. It's much like a cancer diagnosis. People tell you all the time, catch it early, because the deeper that it gets, mm-hmm. the harder it's going to be for us to be able to clean all of this up for you and save you. What ended up happening off of that was, and maybe it was a direct result of some of what I was going through, I'm not the happiest person in the world to begin with, but to have to carry that weight around, which made me more miserable and withdrawn, it started to impact my marriage. A Mm -hmm. divorce followed that. There was something else torn away from me. Then I find myself back out in the dating world at the age of 33. I had been with the same woman since I was 18 years old. In a lot of ways, I hadn't matured in that way. So I kept getting into a relationship that was train wreck after train wreck Mm -hmm. after train wreck. And a lot of times I'd be the one who ended up getting dumped probably because I hadn't resolved a lot of all of these other things. But then what does that tell me? I can't hang on to anything. And for whatever reason, I don't deserve to have that foundation, that rock. I don't deserve to be loved. And if people want to know why one night I was sitting in the garage with a car running, just feeling completely hopeless and Mm -hmm. lost without one shred of therapy behind me, that's why. That was the moment that got me into therapy. Mm -hmm. I live my life no regrets because I did turn myself completely around. I was so rock bottom. I was like, I need you to completely build me back up. Had I gone in earlier, I might have been resistant to certain things. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I had nothing left in the tank. And thank God it went one way and not the other. Right. And that's the thing. The person that you were with really was helping you to see and to validate everything that you had gone through and the layers upon layers that you were dealing with, especially at that point. And I think, Brian, we do say come in early as soon as you're starting to feel things that we can help you process. But a lot of times people, you were just trying to survive. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, now what do I do? I'm going through grief. I'm traumatized. I don't know what's going on with my career. Everything feels uprooted. Your relationships were suffering. So really, we go into like a survival mode. So we do try to normalize that for people that you may just kind of get into a place where you don't have time to deal with the grief at the moment because you got to figure out what's going on with your life. So you had to take certain steps to try to clear some things out. But yes, it is always preferable if people start to sense that there's some kind of emotional shift that's just getting so big, they need some help with that to get into help or at least to get some support around them, like a support group or something like that or peer support. And the advice that I give there is don't let it get that out of Mm -hmm. control. And I've gone so far as to say on this very podcast, I recommend that people who aren't having problems lay a foundation, a therapeutic foundation. There's always a little something quirky about you. There's always a little something that's going wrong that you could work on that would put you in a better position to perhaps be able to sustain blows like this. Well, you had mentioned something and it really goes to cognitive distortion. So when you were saying you started to internalize everything Mm -hmm. and the things that were happening outside of you, you you started to create a narrative about why that is. Oh, I can't hold on to anything. Oh, I'm not worthy of having these deep relationships and all of this. So that is something in therapy that we help people with is the cognitive distortions Mm -hmm. and how we are twisting things up in our head. And what that does is that leads to certain feelings and certain actions and how if we can start to look at those and say, hey, what's another way we can look at this? And where is this untrue? And what other perspective can I hold? It changes the way that you process things and it can change for your actions. Let me make another recommendation. If you are someone who is in the life of somebody who is going through this and you are Mm -hmm. trying to be there for that person, 
get yourself into therapy so you know how to manage right. and handle that because there are wrong ways. And I will tell you one right now, and I'm seeing a lot of this on social media mm -hmm. and I'm very sensitive to it. It's the person who is trying to get you to look at the bright side of everything. Right. I'm an All optimist. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You're your own worst enemy and you got to pull yourself out mm -hmm. of it. And God's not going to give you more than you can't handle. These are all things you are making it so right. much worse, even though your intentions are good. And I see people in 2020 on the socials right now. Here's why I'm positive. Here's why mm -hmm. I'm an optimist. Here's why I'm grateful for everything. Well, there are people who are reading that who are saying, shut up. Right. <laughs> right. And again, your intentions are not bad. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're trying to convince yourself and you're doing it publicly. Right. Maybe do it behind a closed door of a right. therapy office because too much negativity is a bad thing, Courtney, but mm -hmm. I think you'll agree. There's a line, as there is with everything, too much positivity turns into denial. And I often use the analogy, the Wizard of Oz, please ignore the man behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point, you should not be ignoring the man behind the curtain, whether it's in a positive or a negative way. Right. And that's the thing about balance. And also, you don't want to have people's feelings feel like they're not being validated or acknowledged. And so we don't want to minimize people's feelings by just saying, hey, let's just paint a rosy picture over the top of it. Positivity can be a great thing, but you have to meet people where they are and give them that space to process what they're feeling. And grief is a real thing. We need to be okay with sadness right now, especially in 2020, Brian. It's like we are having compounded loss and also division among people. If we don't get a handle on this, I mean, it's only going to keep going in that direction. And so it's allowing yourself to have moments of sadness and cry and expression and writing and all of these things and getting supports. And knowing that that's okay, it's also okay to look at the bright side of things as a part of coping. But if you have people who are only focusing on that and not validating what you're feeling, a lot of times people will just kind of go inside of themselves and then they start saying, well, there's something wrong with me that I feel badly. No, this is 2020 and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, especially this year. We're going to feel all sorts of feelings. To elaborate further on everything that you just said and everything that we've been talking about, yes, positivity can be a good thing, but negativity, believe it or not, can be mm -hmm. a good and productive thing, just as you are saying. And as they say, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> if things are going horribly and you're just going to push it down mm -hmm. and push it down and pretend that it's not, that's a volcano that's going to erupt eventually right. and you're going to end up where I was because that's what I was doing. You can, from a positive perspective, mm -hmm. push things down too much to the point of denial that it becomes counterproductive. Oftentimes, negative people will get this. I've had many people come up to me and say, I can't handle negativity. I don't like negativity. Well, guess what? We negative people, we don't like it either. <laughs> it's not that we're enjoying it. Sometimes, and I just read an article about this, I believe we shared it with each other, mm -hmm. where it talked about some of the positivity and the negativity is hardwired in people. Yeah, of and course. And some people are just screwed. Right. They are shortchanged in that department. So it's a struggle. And I often talk about how difficult it is for Ted Williams, somebody like that. Actually, here's an even better analogy. Wolfgang Van Halen, Edward Van Halen's son, is on a media tour right now, and he has written this phenomenal song about losing his dad called Distance, and if uh, you get a chance to watch the I video... I saw it, Brian. I was like, oh my gosh, and the video. Oh bring your Kleenex. Yeah. you got to see the video, mm -hmm. too. But he talked about how his dad, at one point when he had an interest in music, and he plays all the instruments on the song, does all the singing. The kid's amazing. He's oh, got he sang it in the that, DNA. Too? I That's was wondering about him. that. Every oh single gosh. thing on it, and wow. he wrote the whole thing, too. So 
so basically when he was starting to take an interest in music, his dad was so excited. Mm. And he said he tried to teach me guitar, but within five seconds, he's playing like Eddie Van Halen <laughs> and he's expecting me to play like Eddie Van Halen. Right. And I'm like, you're Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I can't do it. And sometimes people who just have that natural gift get right. frustrated. And I will say the same thing. If you are a happy person dealing with a negative person, you just can't wrap your head around it. You think they're being ridiculous, right. but they're not being ridiculous. They're being themselves and they shouldn't deny that they are themselves. Right. By the same token, they should not take that negativity and make it be the all-consuming thing in their life, just like you shouldn't do the same thing with positivity. Mm -hmm. To give you an example of the evolution that I was speaking about as it pertains to 2020, I have dealt with an awful lot of loss and unexpected loss in this year. My mom and my dad both got COVID-19. Within a week, my mom was gone. And while my mom had underlying health issues, it was not her time. But I suddenly had to not only deal with it being her time, wondering if it was going to be my dad's time too, because look, he's pushing 80 years old. We had always said, you always try to prepare for this stuff. You can never prepare for right. it. Whoever thought that I was going to lose my mom to a pandemic? That's not one that would have been on my radar at any point in my life. But not only that, for my dad to have the same one, wonder how he's going to do. And the other thing that we tried to prepare for that my brother and I have said throughout our entire lives, if one of them has to go first, let it be dad that goes first because dad's not going to be able to handle mom going first. So we're girding ourselves for that. And every single thing that we didn't want to happen happened. So I find myself now, I was the one that had to watch my mom die. And thank God I had all of the therapy that helped me through that process. I had a day or two where I was really rattled by it, but I was able to pull myself back together. And again, much like with my grandmother, realized that I had to be there for my dad. But in another unexpected twist. He has been stronger than I thought he would be. And I think some of the maturity in that evolution speaks to that. And my dad's not the most positive guy in the world. And that's not to say that I haven't knelt beside him with my arm around him at the grave of my mom, watching him heave, trying to pull him out of that. He has his moments. We all have mm -hmm. our moments when it comes to this sort of thing. But it's important to have those moments on both ends of the spectrum. It's it's important for me to kneel down beside him at a gravesite, and it's just as important for me two days later to be on the phone with him, making him laugh about something mm -hmm. and pulling him out of it in that way. And that's what I mean where you have to find maturity and you need to find a balance. I don't want to make it sound like I've been desensitized to death because my mom went very shortly thereafter. We just mentioned him, my childhood hero and a guy who I had some dealings with. We weren't friends by any stretch of the imagination, but I idolized Edward Van Halen. That happened within a week and a half of each other. Mm -hmm. And that second one was a body blow because I totally, I knew he was sick, but I didn't see it coming on that day and that shortly after my mom had passed. So I had to scramble a little bit to pull myself back out of that. I did that by listening to his music. I did that by thinking of fond memories of my mom, fond memories I had going back, watching YouTube videos of Van Halen at the height and the peak of their power. And then my 19-year-old cat who I've had for more than a quarter of my life, just one day out of the blue, and again, 19, you think that mm -hmm. it's going to be coming at some point. She had shown no signs of being sick. Now she's gone. So now it's boom, 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 back yeah. to back to back. But Courtney, I have to tell you, and you deal with me as much as anybody, if not more. I mean, we spend so much time together. We work together. I'm proud of myself 
off of how resilient I've been. And while I have my moments, because of all of the therapy that I've been through and because I'm working on balancing, trying to be positive about it, but also being negative about it and telling my dad and telling myself, it's okay to mourn. You're right. entitled. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything's okay. I'm not going to tell you not to wallow in this. What I will tell you is, as somebody once said to me, a very good friend of mine who used to host the morning show that we host now, he lost his dad before I lost my mom. He was one of the first people to call me. And he said, Brian, every single day it gets one half inch better. That's the progress. Mm -hmm. You want it to get a mile better, but it's not. It's a half inch at a time. Sometimes you take a couple of half inches back, but then other days, maybe you get three inches forward. Mm -hmm. But that's the process. You need to take that time and not live in denial about it and try to be as positive as you possibly can, but also own the sadness. Exactly. And I think you bring up a lot of good points. And also the thing is to empathize. When we think about other people going through things, empathize with them. And how would that feel to be going through that and allow them that space? I don't think it's negativity. It's just feeling our feelings sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like you said, I mean, you've been through tremendous loss after loss after loss. And especially in this year where you're already losing normalcy with job loss and different things going on. My wife lost her job. Yes. We're having financial issues. We have a kid in college right. who's out of his mind depressed that he can't be at school. It's so one thing after another. Exactly. Dealing with everything that we're dealing with. And like I said, it is complex. But I loved what you said about there's going to be moments where you're just going to sit in those feelings. And especially that's so powerful. That's what's really powerful about therapy to just be able to sit in that. And I don't like to say tolerate, but it is. It's like being able to be in that place with someone like when your dad. Moment. Yeah, be in the moment and just really experience that with your dad. And it may feel just so heartbreaking and heart-wrenching at that time, but what a gift to give to him and to give to yourself to be able to really be in that. But like you said, then there's times of levity where you can make him laugh and there's like this positivity coming up. It's riding that wave and being okay with it and not kind of digging our heels in either way. So I'm a very positive person, but I know, and this is a silly example, when I've worked at other places or worked here too, I am happy happy to see people in the morning, but I can get really over the top. I can be like, hey, good morning. And, <laughs> and said, I'm not that at all. <laughs> and I said, I'm afraid I might scare Brian in the morning because sometimes I get so excited about things that I can't even contain it. And I'll actually cry when I get so excited. But I also will cry when I get overwhelmed or I feel like something has to be released from me. And I know we did this the other day. There was something I was upset about. And you're looking at me like, what's going on? And I was like, you know what? I've learned to be okay with myself. When I have moments, I allow myself to right. have that moment. I'm going to cry it out for 20 seconds and I'm okay with it. And I hope you are too, because this is what's coming. But what was my knee jerk? Oh my God, Courtney's quitting oh, yeah. the show. Somebody else oh, is God. leaving me, which is again, right. what Interesting. I have to manage myself. That and was your knee jerk It's reaction. very difficult to do that on your own. And that's where I recommend therapy because you need that coach when those moments mm -hmm. come to know how to handle them. Yeah. I also want to touch on a couple of other things in relation to this because you and I had a moment this week where something was going horribly wrong <laughs> and we were both looking at the it The studio was melting down. <laughs> and I remember you said to me in that moment, you said, well, it's happening. There's nothing we can do, so we just have to laugh about it. And I said, well, you know what? It's happened too much and I'm getting very frustrated right. about it. And I used this analogy and this is where I want to talk to the people who are sometimes over-the-top positive. Yeah. I said to you, think about somebody who's in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, you can sit there and have him or her, your significant other, 
hit you in the face and you can say, yeah, but he or she is going to say they're sorry later and they say they're not going to do it again, so it's okay for me. No, that's not the kind of, of optimism course, of that course. you need. That is unproductive. That's where the line lies when right. it comes to something Which like this. Which is funny. I'm glad you brought that up because in the moment, I thought about it later and I said, you know what? In that moment, I was not trying to minimize your feelings about it, but what I was trying to point out is this moment is happening between us. Well, and I think, too, what you were doing, and again, I didn't take it personally personally that's the way that you were pulling yourself out of it oh yeah and that's the difference between how we're hardwired where it's like we both have to take it to different places right. to ultimately get the same result and the thing is i haven't gone through the same experiences that you have within that but i guess like i said i was just pointing out in this moment we can bring all the other stuff into the moment but it doesn't become about the moment anymore you can still have any of the other issues and the things that you need to change or you want to change or that you're upset about and that's totally valid it was interesting because I was like, wow, I never want to minimize someone's experience. But if we only concentrate on what already happened, then in the moment, which is happening between us, we're still doing a show. I mean, we're still doing what we do, but we were doing it in a different circumstance. And I found it to be hysterical because we're sitting in the other place. I'm like, I don't even know. What am I doing? I couldn't even remember the buttons. So that's all I was pointing out. Again, I think both can live together in certain ways. There can be a place where you can bounce between the two. And we did. I mean, we were sitting on air and doing what we do. You and know? by comparison, and because I'm a professional on air, no one would ever know yeah, that I was yeah. livid. <laughs> right. But by but you comparison, were in the moment of the show. This okay. was your first rodeo with this. Right. This was like my 50th. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, because you were like, while, oh, I got no more laughs to give. <laughs> you know, like I say, Chinese water torture. At first, that drip is cool and refreshing. <laughs> but then after a little while, it's like I know. an icicle stabbing you in the temple. But that's the beauty of us together, because right. I the have, while I've been in radio for a long time, I have very, very rarely been able to do a full-time position. And so to me, it's like amazing gold. And that doesn't mean that certain things don't bother me or whatever. But to me, that's how I frame it is, wow, I just even get the opportunity. What a great story this is. Like, And this happened and this happened. Now, would I want that happening every week? Oh my gosh, no. And would that get very old? Just like you're saying, it gets old when it happens a lot. Of course. But I think that's how we work well together. We can remind each other of both sides of things. Well, let me also take it to the next level improve the value of the therapeutic experience and talking things out. I think that you and I, for as different as we are, and we're similar in a lot yeah. of ways too, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. We love the 80s music. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some things where we are vastly different. Yeah. But because we've both come from that therapy realm, mm -hmm. not only do we understand where both of us are coming from, we also every week sit down together here right. for a half an hour sometimes and reveal things to each other where we're like, oh, mm -hmm. I see where she's coming from. And that's the difference between what we were talking about, about pushing things right. down and right. how unproductive and dangerous that can be. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the way that people are wired, another interesting takeaway that I took from the Wolfgang Van Halen interview on Howard Stern, he was talking about how he's very similar to his dad in these ways, very much a reckless loose, mm -hmm. very anxious. And I have talked many times about the creative brain and especially the genius level people yeah. who there's a fine line between genius and insanity. And I think part of the problem is in terms of people who can't understand that, 
I think when you're creative, there is a different level of awareness and a total lack of ability to live in denial. And sometimes when people are trying to be optimistic and Mm -hmm. maybe overly so at a time where it's not appropriate, people who have that brain have no ability to go to that place. And as a matter of fact, they feel like they're doing themselves a disservice. Mm -hmm. So Wolfgang began to speak about even on stage, even though Edward Van Halen reinvented the instrument, yeah. he was terrified. And the level of anxiety that he had throughout his life caused every problem that he had. Wow. The drinking, the drugs, yeah. the smoking. And it's been Wolfgang's job with some of those same demons to make sure that he doesn't self-medicate in that way mm-hmm. and learn from those things and acknowledge, look, I have a lot of the same demons, yeah. but I've got to find a way. Oh, and incidentally, this poor kid, the amount of trolling that he has endured being Edward Van Halen's son, when he joined Van Halen, the people, oh, just because daddy put you in and oh, belittling everything that he was all about. Courtney, you've seen the video. You've heard the song. Yeah. This kid has got it. Wow. But so talented. everyone pounded him into the ground and made him feel like a piece of crap. Mm. And now with the number one song on iTunes, not just rock, beating Billie Eilish, beating Chris Stapleton, he's finally getting that validation. Yeah. I only wish his dad was here to see it, but I'm willing to bet even with that, mm-hmm. because he's been so abused by trolls, and this is why social media can be so dangerous, a part of him still probably doesn't believe it. Right, right. I'm sure he probably still struggles and that's with that. what he's yeah. working around. That's what he has been in therapy mm-hmm. for, and he admitted that too. Right, and running that through his mind, knowing, okay, I have to take breaks from social media. I have to not pay attention to that. There was something, I remember we were talking about John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. She had posted a lot of stuff. They had a recent loss of a child. When yes, she, yeah, born. And it was just so horrible. But she had posted pictures of the devastation and everything she was going through. And it was her way of trying to heal and trying to process. And some people were very supportive, but some people were trolling her. And I remember what I read about what she said. And I remember telling you about this, that she said, what I posted was for certain people. And maybe it wasn't for you. It was for the person who maybe has gone through this or needed right. some validation or wanted to understand what we were going through. So to all the trolls, I didn't post it for you and I could care less what you think about it. And I thought that is amazingly powerful. I don't know if she really can have some of those walls up when it comes to that. But how hard is it for us just in our normal life, never mind posting something and having these people come after you like that, like with Wolfgang? Well, here's Um, the balancing act when you reach that level of celebrity. And we have very minor celebrity, but I feel this obligation and I do it from time to time where, first of all, if you have a fan base, you know that there is an expectation that you're going to talk about whatever it is that you're going through. And you might be doing them a disservice if you don't to a certain degree. So you feel that pressure. But then there's also this. People ask me all the time, why do you talk about your depression? I mean, oh my God, don't you feel so vulnerable? Aren't you humiliated? Mm -hmm. And I say no, because I know I'm helping people. When I came onto our radio show and recounted what it was like to watch my mom die, I was doing that for the people who have gone through that and need to hear it from somebody else and to hear how I'm getting through it. I'm trying to do something positive and I have no doubt that Chrissy was doing the same thing. Exactly. But the problem is for as much as you're using that not only for therapy but to help other people there are still people who are are. so evil and who hate themselves so much Mm -hmm. and can't stand when somebody is going through something difficult but still on the surface somehow seem to have it all together because they resent it they attack it. And for as disgusting and as twisted as it is that's the psychology of what it is and that's where Chrissy is right 
I don't care what yeah. you think. She's this like, isn't about for you. you. Yeah. And it's not only about her, I'm sure. It's also about helping people exactly. who have gone through that exact so same thing. So to me, I'm going to use that as something where I'm saying, okay, if I'm going to post something or if there's something that powerful that I want to share and maybe I'm nervous about, oh, this person could say this or this person could say that. If it's within me and it's something that I'm passionate about and I really want to share it, I'm sharing it for a reason for certain people to get it. I have to not be consumed with what some of the other people might be thinking about it. And I think just framing that in that way, I just found it to be a powerful thing. And I think it's similar when you're going through grief, too. It's like you need to give yourself permission to be able to express and find the people around you that really are worthy of that, that really deserve to be able to hold that space with you, that really can hold that space for you so that you can have permission to feel whatever you're feeling. And I think that's important to remember. And for the people who are attacking her for the very reasons that Mm -hmm. I described, could you please look at it for what it is? I'm sure on some level for her, she's saying, look, I know you think that our lives are so perfect, but we have problems Mm -hmm. and everyday problems just like anybody else. We can't celebrity our way out of this. I can't buy my way out of the fact that I just lost a baby. Mm -hmm. It's raw. It's personal. It's emotional. It should be something that pulls people together. Mm -hmm. But there's always that second. There always will, but let's remember there always will be. We can't change that, but we can change our focus and refocus on what's important to us and who we need to share it with and what our mission is. And I think that's kind of how she aligns that. To wind this all down and to bring it back to the evolution and how I have dealt with mortality throughout my lifetime, and I feel like I'm getting to the next level in a higher plane, and I'm accepting all of this. Even my wife said when we lost the cat, she's been a mess. She's like, I can't believe that this isn't affecting you more. I said, well, it's affecting me, but I'm also in the process of being able to know how to deal with these things. And two big things have happened to me in 2020 to give me a new perspective on all of this. I don't care who you are, how old you are, or how it happens. If you are standing there watching your mother die, Mm -hmm. and not in the most pleasant way possible, in that moment, mortality and your own mortality becomes very real. Because you grow up with your parents your entire life. You know that day is coming. But to see it actually happen and to realize that someday this is going to be me. And then to kneel down next to my dad at the gravesite and have to say to him, Dad, at some point, it's either going to be me down there or me up here. And the person that I've devoted my entire life in either one of those situations, there is no escaping and no avoiding that. And it really has had me coming to grips with my own mortality as I get older and things start to hurt a little bit more. And maybe I don't look the way that I used to. And maybe I'm finding this gray hair and this wrinkle. And maybe my metabolism is slowing down and all of these things that I don't like, but I have to find ways to accept. It is that slow march. And to live in denial of all of those things, that's not healthy. And I think one of the other things that really helped, and we've been talking about it for multiple weeks now, and you finally read it, was to read It's Gary Shandling's book and the Zen Buddhism thing. Mm. And for him, at the end, as his parents were dying too, and he knew that it was coming for him to try to find the joy in death. I'm not there yet. Right. But I'm finding acceptance in it. And exactly. I'm finding acceptance that the end of your life for the people that want to be sunshiny and everything's going to work out for the best. Every single person in my life right now, in-laws, parents, their golden years have not gone at all the way that they thought that Mm -hmm. they were going to go. And you need to prepare yourself for that possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen to everybody every once in a while, you know, somebody dodges a certain bullet. 
But mentally and emotionally, you need to be ready. And this is what therapy is all about. And that is what this podcast is all about. And giving that support. And it's interesting you say that. I was reading an article. I think it was in Oprah. There's actually these groups that people have gotten together. They have coffee. They have treats. And they talk about death. And it's actually normalizing it. Mm -hmm. This is something that is part of life. But yet, a lot of times, like you said, we deny it. We don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. But talking about death and loss can be very freeing and help us to be able to process these things for ourselves moving forward. Like you said, there's a lot of change as we get older. So it's an interesting concept, but I think talking about it in therapy can be very helpful. Life is all about coming to grips with things. And I say that about the good and the bad Mm -hmm. and finding the balance of both. Appreciate what you have in the now. We talk about that all the time, but realize that it's not going to be here forever Mm -hmm. in ways that will help you appreciate it more and prepare you as much as you possibly can be prepared. And again, No matter how it happens, it's probably not going to follow the script that you have in your head. Be as ready for it as you possibly Mm -hmm. can. Yeah. And having these kind of conversations and having conversations with people around you, too, I think is really important. Sometimes we don't want to talk about that, the grief, the loss. But I think that's something that we can all benefit from in having that support right now, especially in this crazy 2020. I talked about (laughs) my best friend who lost his wife to pancreatic cancer way too early. Mm -hmm. And he said the most difficult thing of all was watching people run and hide from him because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And Mm -hmm. while he understands it. He also asked the question, do they have any idea how much that conversation might be able to help me? And as we said at the very beginning, everybody processes things differently. And some people don't want to talk about it as much as others. The important thing is, though, you do need to talk about it to a degree. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it around family and friends, Mm -hmm. that's where you seek out a professional. And the thing is, too, family and friends can always offer and ask, what can I do to help you through this? How can I be of service to you? It could be a conversation. It could be a kind word. It could be a nice meal. It could be a Zoom chat. It could be helping to give them a referral to help them to find someone to talk to if they're more comfortable maybe going to therapy. And there are a lot of great resources, too. If you go on Psychology Today, there's lots of different articles and different ways to point you in the right direction to help other people who are going through grief too if you're kind of like I don't know what to do for them but I think the most important thing is making the effort like you said your friend would love for people to have made the effort but sometimes we get a little afraid and we run away from that situation and the worst thing that all involved can do is shut down yeah whether that's the person who it has happened to Mm -hmm. or the people around them who are just like well I don't want to throw myself into that mess right right. that's the worst possible thing and I say to my wife all the time if you want to find out who your friends are are lose a job, get really sick, Mm -hmm. have somebody die, get married, (laughs) all of these things. See who's around. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. That are pivotal moments in your life. And the people who are running for the hills, Mm -hmm. they're the ones who aren't worth your time. And that's another part of evolution. And maybe something that we can talk about on a future podcast, which is the circle getting smaller. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, realizing that when it comes to the close people in your life, when you're younger, it's more about the quantity. Right. (laughs) When you're older, it's about the quality. And while Courtney is here with me, I like to think that it's about the quality that I bring to her life, but then I realize she's getting paid to be here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say whatever you like, Could Ryan. Could be <laughs> one of either, or maybe a combination of the two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Woo, Courtney, man, yes. oh man. 
Boy, oh my boy. Gosh. Did we cover a lot here in episode 26. I feel like 26. I disclosed some things to you today, Brian, too. Oh. <laughs> you know, and a couple of other people might have been eavesdropping. I want to warn you. And they might be contacting you soon. How can they do that, That Courtney? is true. Well, we have Wellness Wednesday that we do weekly here at Cat Country during our radio show. Give some coping and some supports. And you can always go to catcountry.com on our Wellness Wednesday page for those resources and to listen to episodes. And you can contact me, wellness, at wctk.com. And to listen to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Apple Podcasts. We have Spotify, Libsyn. You can use the Google. There's all manner of ways to do that. And then for our socials, at Cat Country Mornings in a number of spots. We have individual pages as mm-hmm. well, at Brian Cat Country on Twitter for me. I go by Brian Mulhern on Facebook and other things. Yep. You go by Courtney, Courtney Kelly. Kelly Bedard. Yeah, you Courtney can find Kelly me Bedard. there. We have all kinds of <laughs> all aliases of and ways to get in touch with us. So please take advantage of all of them. More so on her end than mine. She's far more extroverted than yours truly. But In the meantime, I do thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you again on the couch coping on it with Courtney and Brian.